session kicked off. So welcome everybody to our talk today. Um, uh, thank you for joining us and thank you for allowing us to put you on the cameras on and your mics, hopefully. So we'll talk about that in just a second. Um, <coughs> is Kaylee Garrido and I head up marketing and events here at Great Data Minds. Um, if you don't know us yet, Great Data Minds is a collective of passionate data activists, and we're on a mission to modernize the world of data. Um, we do this in two ways. The first is that we offer a full range of services around strategic planning, education, and deployment of critical data projects. And then we also produce just a whole bunch of great data-related content. Um, my cat literally just opened my office door. So and we have a human side interruption. And if you've <laughs> seen our sessions before, you know this tends to happen for me. Um, so there we go. There it is. All right. So in any case, um, we want to hear from you in today's session. This is a topic that is very near and dear to our, our hearts. This is ageism and technology. This is what we're here to talk about today. So we've set this up as a meeting. If you are so inspired to turn on your camera and let us see how you're rocking your home office, please put it on. If you want to turn on your microphone and ask a question or chime in, um, please do that as well. Let's make this into a discussion because we know, yeah, Jim, looking at Hi, you. Jim. Um, we know that a lot people have strong opinions on this. They have experiences and perspectives that they want to share, and we want to encourage that kind of discussion today. So before we get into some of our questions and, and like I said, encouraging in-line conversation, we'll also leave a little bit of time at the end for the more formal Q&A if you want to hold off until then. But before we begin, I want to introduce um, our two key speakers today. We have the infamous Julie Burroughs, a little bit of background on Julie. She is a true data enthusiast. Yeah. believes deeply I'm in geek. our enthusiast. strong analytics program. You got something to say, data enthusiast? Yeah. Um, you know, just I wanted to make sure you knew that I printed out my notes. I, okay. And I'm there 60 years old. And I'm That's 60 it. years old. Okay. <laughs> and Elaine's so, going to go, I didn't print my notes out. <laughs> um. Julie is what I have this morning thinking about it, Julie, I've developed a new term for you. Let's see how it hits. Oh, you are an innovator instigator. Oh, okay. I don't mind that. I'm, I'm like, like not that mad at myself for that one. And it's because that that's real for you. Like you are a power woman who we have seen time and again, will champion change and innovation despite resistance turmoil, or in some cases, abject terror of the people that are starting on that transformation road. Irritate and educate. That's it. Uh, and so, of course, Julie has helped companies large and small to become data-driven champions by adopting emerging technologies like the cloud, data visualizations, machine learning. Um, and the value of her work speaks for itself because she's helped organizations save millions of dollars and grow bottom line revenues. So thank you, Julie. Thank you. One of our speakers today. Ooh, my head's going up, 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 up. There it is. Thank you. Now, we also have with us the esteemed Elaine Marino. Hey. <laughs> oh, I got some good things to say about you, too. <laughs> Elaine is a passionate, results-driven, diversity, equity, and inclusion expert who is focused on building equitable corporate and community systems. She currently sits as the global head of diversity, equity, and inclusion at CrossFit. And this is after her tenure as Managing Director of Diversity and Inclusion Strategy at Charles Schwab. Uh, prior to that, she had a, I don't know, groundswell passion after her 
first first life, I guess it was your first life as a Ruby on Rails developer, where you personally experienced the tremendous diversity gap in software development. This is between uh, women not being represented, uh, people of color not being represented in the software world. And so that kind of inspired you to spearhead a movement to transform diversity in the tech space. As the founder of Equally, CoDiv, and the Lady Coders Conference, you have done it all, woman. This is wonderful. Yep, she's amazing. Aww. You've changed a lot of lives, seriously. You yeah. job. I just crack up, you go from Schwab to CrossFit. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, how does that happen? The big switch. So, I always like to jump into the deep end of the pool. <laughs> you try to dip a toe and you get pushed right in. I get pushed That's right that. in. Yep. All right, so today we're here because we found an article that was... Uh, where was it focused? It was focused on um, in Forbes. And this is an article in which a gentleman named Chris Cleveland, who's out of Chicago at a company called Relevant DB, he wrote an ad for a job posting. And in that job posting, continue to admit people, there was a line that said, and I quote, unlike Silicon Valley, we do not discriminate based on age. Experience matters. We hire old people and young people too. And so Chris, this got Chris like pretty quickly to the number one spot on Hacker News as people were reacting to such an inflammatory topic. And so Chris writes, you know, I'm 60 years old and I've attempted to interview for developer positions over the last year. And I got nowhere despite having 40 years of relevant experience. And he says, I'm really, really tired of this industry's attitude towards people like me. Now we did a session on this before. Julie was there, Elaine was there. I can't, I mean, we might've had some other folks on the line, but where we were talking specifically about the different generations that we have working together in the professional workplace right now. And I know Julie, one of the main things that came up was about communication differences, just a huge, oh. huge issue there. So can, I'll just turn the floor to you to recap that a little bit. Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to go back and uh, see if you can post that Forbes um, uh, Forbes article. Sure you can. Make it, you can uh, there may be a wall there if you're not a Forbes member, but I think you can track it back to the original one. Um, I, I'm going to tell you, it's kind of sad. People get kind of mean and they start chatting it up. And, and I was like, wow, what does our world come to? So, um, you know, they talk about the older guys are talking about younger guys and vice versa. So, Take a look at that and you'll start to see this is it's not good anyway. Um, OK, so about the event she was talking about, it was really weird. We just wanted to get together. We were starting to see a lot of ageism. As, once again, the gray hair here being at 60, I was seeing some of it. And I had a lot of my counterparts um, starting to see um, not getting hired, et cetera. And um, so we said, let's get together and talk about this and how do you know ageism and how do we communicate and everything? I swear to God, we had it over for you local guys at Wash Park, and they have this little, um, the Colorado Parks and Services has a building there, but you have to be out of it by like 7.30. So we started at our normal time, probably around 5.30, and two hours into it, we had people standing up and pounding the tables, right? And I'm like, holy crap. And um, it, believe it or not, we, I said, we got to go, everyone. And there were like 31 people there. And I said, but I live two blocks away, and I've got some beer in the refrigerator, so, you know, if you want to, you know, come over to my house, I was running people out of my house at 11. I swear to God, they sat and they talked amongst each other. So this is a big topic. It really went to communications. I know the frustrating part was, you know, um, I remember one of the gentlemen that was a little bit older, 
looked at one, I think it was you, Kalia, or one of the younger guys that goes, why don't you just get on a plane and meet with your customer? And, and yeah. they're like, we don't have to, because we can just do it virtually. And oh my God, it just set it off. So just, mm -hmm. a, it, I don't know if anyone has any comments or has seen that before, but you know, I think today's going to be really great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and oh, by the way, there's a nice way to do it because I left Kaylee a, a voicemail one time and she told me to never do that again. So, you know, <laughs> different strokes. Don't leave friend voice messages, Julie. If they don't, <laughs> don't, she goes, don't you ever leave me a voicemail. I will not listen to it. I'm like, okay, we do voicemails at my age. So I'll stop babbling. <laughs> I don't so, know. Oh, uh, I was just going to add that I think to provide context, part of what we were discussing uh, during that very long uh, meeting and then happy hour and then into the evening is that uh, technology has really separated out generations and that has accelerated um, sort of these vast differences in how Julie's generation versus Kaylee's generation versus Kaylee's child's generation uh, communicates. And, um, and frankly, the pandemic accelerated what the younger generation was already doing, which was video. Uh, during that conversation, we discussed how um, the baby boomer generation prefers in-person, Gen X is really comfortable with email, uh, millennials prefer text, and uh, the Generation Z really pre preferred uh, video. And frankly, it moved us all to video, uh, the pandemic did. So I just wanted to provide some context to that technology really has accelerated those gaps in generations. Go yep. ahead, Kaylee, sorry. No, that's great it's an insight and we're I think we're all experiencing that at some level now I know I certainly am like you mentioned with the kids like I experience my own children just kind of startling I'm, I'm um, curious uh, if you guys in chat I'd love to see it how what is the number one way you prefer to be contacted so weird because these young guys we work with um, you know a lot of great data robot and thought spot and elation and stuff like that and all their young guys they're starting to call us they call us now I'm like yeah. wow you know so see, my preferred is Slack. My preferred is uh, text and Slack. Mm -hmm. So it depends if it's like personal or professional. Like, but yeah, a lot of email, a lot of, a lot of Slack. But I'm, I feel like I don't. Maybe it's a thing with me, but I'm like starting to slowly transition into somebody who's like, it you can just save time to make a phone call. Like after not after avoiding phone calls for many years, I'm just like, oh, that would actually save a little bit of time. I just feel like it's a little intrusive. I'm like, how do I know you're not doing anything? You know, yeah, I'm calling, then, like, you listen to me. Yeah. And then, you know, with the spam happening, God, I mean, I get four a day, five a day. And then, no. you know, I, I don't call customers really. I call like vendors and stuff like that, unless I know my customers well enough to call them. Um, but, you know, I certainly don't call and say, hi, you know, I'm Julie Burroughs. I'd like for you to work with us. You know, that just, that doesn't fly and it pisses people no. off. And, 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 and I think the text too, you know? Yeah. Definitely. I think I just saw my fingers are too big for texting or something like that. I feel like we're <laughs> too tired. And all the young kids are like, but a little, and I'm like, me, 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 me. So, well, some, a lot of people are email, text, mm -hmm. and then, you know, phone call here and there. So, let's, let's get more of a relevant experience, like um, an experience that you might have had. Like, Julie, I know you mentioned that there have been times when you felt kind of the pain of ageism in the technology field. Can you share an experience that you had well, like that with us? I got two, but one of them I did myself. So um, actually, Elaine, it was at your data, uh, women, not data thing, tech, tech, what is it? Remind me. Lady, Lady Coders. 
lady coders, lady coders. Um, I had, so she had these great breakouts and then there was a mentor at each table and I sat down with my gray hair. It was about two years ago, oh, right before COVID. And um, there, there was a really young girl there and she didn't think I was relevant at all. As a matter of fact, she left halfway through as a mentor. Wow. You know what I mean? You could tell she had an attitude towards me. Um, the other one I did to myself, I showed up at Googleplex with one of my clients and um, first time to ever go to a Google office. And I showed up in high heels and a business suit on. And I, I stuck out wow. like a sore thumb and I'm like, oh God. But so that was really aging. But it was... But it was I think it's some macabres. Got it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so you know, I I did it to myself. So it's so macabre. Sorry. No, it's okay. So I um I didn't take time to you know even look into it. I just showed up, and that was something that I should have done in order to not be viewed as an old lady in high heels and a suit, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So other other than not wearing high heels and not wearing suits when you're going to calling on customers these days, like how else? What have you found that's been helpful to to stay, I don't know if relevant is the right word, but, you know, relevant as the times have changed. And Elaine, I don't want to take over this whole thing, but I mean. No, no. You answer from your experience, Julie, for sure. I can give the yeah but you give your answer. I think the biggest thing is, and I meet with people, I've been doing analytics for 20 plus years, and I meet with people, some of which are on this call that come to me and say, you know what, I'm not getting hired, and I'm not. I, I've interviewed with so many people and I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about the biggest thing you have to do is be, have an innovative eye, right? So you have to be on innovation. And if you go to, in our world, if you go to someone and try to uh, uh, interview and you don't have cloud experience, you might as well just throw your resume out the door. So I, it, it being relevant around technology and, and that's what Elaine says, a lot of this, you know, change in this, you know, ageism comes from that technology is moving so damn fast. I mean, we, we have, we, we do hours and hours of research every week just to keep up on innovation. But what happens is, is, you know, you get into the office and you, you put your head in the sand like an ostrich and you don't come up and, and go to education and, and learn what's going on out there, you know? So the way I've always been, had an innovative eye, I'm ADHD. I don't like to do the same thing over and over again. I don't like to, you know, be on the gerbil wheels. So, um, you know, I've always been, show me new stuff, show me new stuff. Let me learn. And our, because of that, my firms have always been that way too. I we really advocate on innovation. I, oh, go ahead, Kalia. No, go ahead. Lane. No, what I was going to say is I think you touched on a couple of things that are, are really important. Uh, one, when you're thinking about the cloud, right, this is your, your world, right? Great data mines. What certifications can you get that are shiny and new and relevant to the industry that you are currently in? Definitely get them. Even if you don't end up utilizing them quite as much, just having them and having them on your resume signifies that you're with it. Um, I have a very good friend. She's in her mid fifties doing a bit of a career change. She was in the Marketo world and really wanted to get out of that and get more into sales ops and went and got her Salesforce admin certification. She actually does not use it in her day-to-day, but having that certification signified to her hiring manager, who is an expert in Salesforce, that she was up to date on the latest sales ops knowledge. So really, I think it's important, the certifications, even if you're not going to use them, it's signifying something. I think the other thing you said, Julie, that was really uh, important, you said that you lead with innovation. 
I would also lead with um, curiosity because you all have so much experience. When you lead with experience, I think when the younger generation is interviewing you, it feels almost like a finger wag from their parents. Well, like I've been there, done that before. Versus if you say, what's your greatest concern? What is your biggest issue in implementing this technology? And then you can share a solution based off of your mm -hmm. experience. So that's yep. the, the way to flip your experience to showing them how you can help them versus telling them that you've already done it. Mm -hmm. And it's a slight nuanced change, but I think that it comes at it from an approach of not just that you have the experience, but you can show them how it's best serving them um, are two of the things that I've seen really for people who have been successful, I would say post 50, post 60, um, still getting really relevant jobs. Yeah, it's funny. We had an ageism event and uh, for women, vintage women, we did one a few years back and we had women that were 30 in there, you know, yeah. to start to see themselves as aging in the workplace. So, well, when I went into tech, I was in my mid thirties and I was the oldest person in that software development floor. I was shocked. Um, I think I was, yeah, I was the only woman, but I also yeah. was like, I, I, you know, I remember, I think I was, gosh, how old was I? 34, 35 years old and thinking like, I'm old. Like I, I, I officially am the oldest person in this room. So definitely uh, an eye-opening experience. So I, and I think something I really want to touch upon, because I've really been thinking a lot about this. And when I think about larger dimensions of marginalization and difference, one thing that is very different about ageism is that it happens to you over time. It's not something you're born with. And so when it happens to you, it can be like a shock, like a slap to the face. Like what happened? I, I was on this trajectory where I was being promoted and rewarded for behavior and making more money and climbing the ladder and getting good jobs. And then all of a sudden it just er, stops. And I think that shock is what can really get us stuck. Um, and so I think what we need to do just collectively is acknowledge that it exists, that it is real, that it happens, but you can't stay there and live there. Um, and by that, what I mean is, is you have to think about what do I really want and start asking yourself um, some really deeper questions. And I have a piece of homework for everyone on the call, especially those that are you feeling ageism is where do you want your focus to be? Like write it down. Because if you constantly focus on, I'm not getting this because of my age, then that is where your mind and your intention and your energy is going. But instead, I wanna be at a company that appreciates me. I wanna be making X amount of dollars, like really write it out and put your focus there. And I'm not saying it's you know magically going to appear, but it's just like when you're riding a bike, where you steer it, where you focus it is where it's going to go. Mm -hmm. And so I'd rather see everyone focus on what they really want. And I think a couple of tactics and tips around that, and then we have to be really honest with ourselves is how much money do you really need, right? So you're on this trajectory in your career, right? And let's say you get to a point where you're a VP and you're making $200,000 and all of a sudden there's a layoff or they let you go or you've, you've moved and you had to change jobs. And you go out there and you're looking for that next VP or even senior VP position that makes 200 to 225 and you're just not getting it and you're just not getting it. Have the real honest conversation with yourself. What do you need in order for your retirement, for your daily expenses, for you to live a good life? And then that is your new salary range. As bitter a pill as that is to swallow, it's one of 
it's a reckoning that I would recommend instead of thinking, I just am looking for the next level up step. And then if you really do want the VP position at the same salary, be willing for it to take longer. Um, and I think that's the other aspect of it and be willing for it to take more energy and effort uh, to get there. And, um, and I know you probably all have heard this as well besides the certifications, the networking. One other thing I've seen people be really successful post 50, post 55 getting jobs is networking both um, online. So LinkedIn and Slack, there are a lot of Slack communities out there being very active on them, making it your full-time job, giving as much as you're getting, um, mentoring, talking to folks. Uh, the friend I mentioned who um, got her Salesforce certification, got the job by being on job boards on different Slack groups. Um, and people vouching for her and recommending her for the job. And these are people that she just met online. These are not, these are not close colleagues. Uh, and then also just your old network. You know, another woman I know that's post 60, she um, got a role and it was based on, you know, working her, her previous working relationships. So reaching out to folks and saying, you're looking and here's what you're looking for. And being, um, I think my final tip here would also be on your LinkedIn to not go too far back. I'm also, I'm already starting to struggle with this. I'm in my mid forties and I have probably about 25 years worth of work experience. And I was just recently told I shouldn't go back more than 12. Um, oh, interesting. Bitter, I know it's a bitter pill to swallow, right? Because you're like, but I did all this work, you know, yeah. and all these careers and years, but I think you can summarize it. I think for me, I'll tell you the first half of my career was in advertising and I've got every ad agency I worked at, every big campaign we did, every time we were in the news, that stuff is over 12 years old. Um, so what I need to say is, you know, began career in marketing and advertising in New York City and Los Angeles, working on Delta Airlines and a couple of things. And you just summarize it in one or two lines mm -hmm. and, and leave it um, so that people know you have that experience, but it doesn't show that you did that for 13 years prior to the current uh, work that you have. So those are a few of the, the, the tactics. I'm gonna stop talking and I'd love to hear any reactions or any questions or thoughts anyone has on what I shared. And I hope you all know it's a very safe space. So if anyone feels like I have said something really offensive or objects to it, please, by all means, let me know. Um, I do understand that I haven't quite hit the wall yet, um, but, I recognize it and I recognized it immediately in tech. Like I said, at, at 35, I was completely the oldest person in the building. Um, so I, I do understand, but I haven't really felt the rejection yet. So I want to be honest there as well. Mm -hmm. I have a couple comments to add to yours while people are coming on. Um, so I think the same thing applies to resumes. I know my recruiter is a little bit younger, but she always, why is this a nine page resume? You know, we don't need to know that. So, and, and they, you know, of course, LinkedIn is your uh, resume too. Um, I, funny, because I just had two people that were over 60, believe it or not, pass the Google cert, one of the biggest Google certs ever. Um, they came to us, I can't remember through a contact. And so I said, okay, um, let's talk about it. And I went out on their LinkedIn. One of them didn't have a LinkedIn and one of them had 13 people on their LinkedIn. And I said, so the first thing you have to do is bring this up. I swear to God, this just happened to me. Funny you mention it. So um, both of them have been working on getting their LinkedIn up, you know, but they, they're amazing. They're amazing coders are amazing developers. They've been just heads down, not doing that. And they've had these 
like in the old days, you'd sit and you do Informatica for years, right? Nowadays, that isn't true. Um, the other thing we see when with the resumes coming in with the Lexus is, um, is with the resumes coming in is people that are only been in jobs for about a year, year and a half. Then that in the old days, you'd be like, oh, they don't, they don't stick anywhere very often. And she reminded me that it is the economy of moving around a lot for these young people. Her brother looks, puts a set up every year and says, you know what, where else can I go to improve what I'm doing and maybe improve my salary? So that's kind of a new trend too. Um, one final comment, and then I really open it up. Um, it's also important that you adhere to um, development standards that your team is used to, you know, because that's that's just as important as technology. We have a lot of groups out there that are fragile, uh, that's fragmented agile, and then our teams, which are lean agile, come in and they're very frustrated with that. But then it's the opposite. We have teams that are safe, and then we see people that really don't want to adhere to that. So that's important too that you understand what your development methodology is and adhere to that. Anyone else? Okay. Well, I wanted to uh, chime in and agree with what Elaine was saying and all of you were saying about uh, going back uh, too far in your career or your working history because I've had three separate, very disparate careers so I've eliminated the first two because I used to be a research scientist, then I was a pastry chef, then I'm an wow. entrepreneur. So <laughs> those, uh, let's say, 20 years kind of don't exist anymore. And now I magically was born as a 35-year-old and started my own companies. So Congratulations. Yay. <laughs> but I think there's something to that too, Jennifer, like, what you said, like, it, it's kind of what Elaine said to like have that as sort of a one liner or just something interesting. That's something that I've seen really successful, both in actual applying for jobs, but also in reviewing different resumes that are out there, giving people something tangible that they can, you know, sink their teeth into to uh, go back to your pastry chef days. But like, you know, mentioning that you did that and allowing people to be able to connect with you on that level, too, because I think that's oh, another thing I we want to connect. I also forgot I used to be a movie producer. So I've even had three careers that I don't even bring up. Uh, and it's yeah. all, as an entrepreneur, the other thing, uh, Julie, you were saying was uh, what a lot of entrepreneurs do is they work in their business and not on their business. And I take mm -hmm. that as a, as, as a professional now. I'm working in my jobs or in my companies and not on my career. So I need to step back and say, what are... What do, where do I really want to go? As Elaine said, where do I really want to be? What do I really need? And work towards the position I have now is all about um, guiding people to build their professional network throughout their jobs. So the job is kind of what you're going to do for the next few years, but this professional career is going to be with you for 15 years or professional Jennifer network. Jennifer, yeah. I love what you're saying. And I love the fact that you just changed and now you're an entrepreneur and everything. And I think that's, um, I think you're, you're uh, not, I think you're the minority. Most people really don't like change. You know, mm -hmm. we do a, hu uh, a human presentation about an hour's worth of, you know, humans and data and um, change is hard on people. It really is, you know, because they're, they're confident. They, you know, they come to work every day, they know the, what they're gonna be doing. And then all of a sudden, let's say you bring in a new technology, that, that whole valley, that trough of doubt we talk about, they just, 
look, listen, we have transformed three of our teams and I will tell you, we totally lose 30, 25 to 30% of people because of that change. So for most people, it's really hard. I think that you're really unique and, and you are the minority. I, I think I am too. I'm like, oh, I just want to change all the time. So, um, but it's hard on people changes and yeah. So I fully expected to retire from the industry that I'd been in for 25 years. And at 62 years old, I got laid off. And oh. it's not an industry that you can just go out and get another job. Um, and so I said, well, okay. And this was part of when I got laid off. They said, well, gosh, Deborah, now you have a chance to do what you really want to do. And I said, oh, good. I get to go out and do uh, data analytics. I've always wanted to do that. I've, I've always wanted to do that. And uh, guess what? I'm so, I'm so far behind the curve on data analytics. Nothing in my job history shows data analytics as uh, a tangible work history. Mm -hmm. And so I went out and started studying on LinkedIn. I did the Salesforce administrator too. I am certified as Salesforce administrator. And <clears throat> I'm trying to combine the two. I have a quality assurance background from 30 years ago. And I feel like it's relevant, but I don't want to list that on my resume because of how long ago it is. Uh, and my, it's so hard. I said, well, I have never in my entire life not had a job ever had to look for a job. I've always gone from one job and somebody said, hey, we'd like to hire you. I went to another job. This is the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. And I don't, I just keep studying and learning and popping things on my LinkedIn um, profile. And I've kind of started focusing more on Salesforce just because the data analytics, I just, I have nothing to back that up, you know, with experience. I mean, I can't even get data entry positions now. Um, so I, I understand what all of you are saying about changing, and I am also huge. I'm always wanting to learn, always wanting to do more, but I'm, I'm a single woman at 62. I have zero job, zero income, and I am thankful that I had some savings, but I find myself in a position, I'm saying, wow, I feel totally worthless mm. at this point because nobody will even give me a chance to show what my what I can do and I understand that the why behind that but um so I I agree with learning and uh, constantly trying to to get better and learn new technology I have to tell you <laughs> the first two months I was laid off that I started studying some data analytics I went huh Never heard that word before. Okay. <laughs> and uh, went out and studied as much as I could. Um, and uh, I mean, I still read, I read articles as much as I can about new technology. And I still scratch my head and say, I'm not quite sure what that means. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it is, it's tough. I still have to pay, I still have to pay rent. I still have to buy groceries. And it's almost like at 62 years old, well, you don't need a job, you know, and yeah. we're just not going to hire you. Hey, Deborah, um, just to let you know, contact us on the website. We have, we just announced an immersion program and we welcome folks like you. So it's, a, it's an immersion program into some of the top technologies. 
because there is a shortage of resources out there. Don't any of you think you can't get jobs because they can, you cannot find people in our world, the data world. So um, contact us on, on our website and I'll have Alexis walk you through the immersion program. That would be awesome. That That's yeah. really good information. And She's thank you for putting me. this forum um, together. I, um, I, I wouldn't have missed this. Uh, I had some conflicting um, appointments and I wouldn't have missed this. This is great information. Great. Thank you, Deborah. I just want to chime in here and thank you for your vulnerability and honesty uh, and sharing with us. And um, I think you touched on something that there are two, two aspects to the ageism issue. One is just some of the tactics we're talking about, right? Certification and social media and LinkedIn and uh, looking for a job and networking. But then there's also the, the mental health aspect. And that's why I, I mentioned in the beginning, it's something that happens to us all of a sudden and it's very shocking. But you mentioned another aspect that I think we should talk about a little bit with this, which is worthiness. Um, and, and it's very hard to operate from a place of positivity and go get them attitude and be enthusiastic when you're feeling um, unworthy. And I, and I think what we just need to acknowledge is, is that ageism makes people feel unworthy, that we have aged out of society. And unfortunately, we are in a society that um, obsesses about being youthful in every aspect, not just work, right? And especially as women, we we feel that earlier and earlier, um, and especially with the internet, oh my goodness. Um, but anyways, my point to this is, is that I think um, you have to do that inner work to just know your worth for yourself uh, and have a good friend group and honor the career that you've had and not let the noise affect your heart while you're out there searching for all of this. So that's the, that's the work that we all have to do um, in trying to, to stay and feel worthy. That's an, it's an inside job, so to speak, because, but I don't want to mitigate or not um, acknowledge that there's a lot coming at you telling you you're not worthy. Um, and so just acknowledge that it's happening, but then keep, mm -hmm. um, keep coming to places like this where we'll tell you <laughs> that you are worthy and that you will get another job. And then on the tactical side, I was just gonna say in terms of what I, what I mentioned about reevaluating salary, also reevaluate what you're capable of. So maybe you should get a Salesforce admin job, right? Like maybe that is, it's not what you want to be doing, but if you really wanna be working and maybe that leads to the data analytics experience that you eventually get once you're in the door somewhere. So yep. that was helpful. Yeah, and, and back to the contact thing, Deborah, you know, what um, Elaine was saying earlier, I mean, definitely if your resume reads that you have that cert or whatever, we, we work with Salesforce firms all the time. You know, we're in the gap economy. We're not a Salesforce shop, but we, you know, we work with Salesforce firms so we can send that over. Super. And I think that um, just to add on to that, um, the, the worthy, I mean, I, I am a very positive person, but mm -hmm. I did go through a two week period really recently um, after being unemployed now for almost a, for a year. Um, I went through a two week period where I just could not stop crying. I said, oh, my gosh. And, and I, I was shocked. I'm like, OK, yeah. I watched when I worked at Coors Ceramics, I watched 30 engineers in that industry get laid off at retirement age. Yeah. And I watched the pain that 
that those people went through. And I was very young at that point. Um, and now I'm there. And so I was able to move through that depression um, mm -hmm. and feeling of unworthy uh, by writing some stories about, you know, what I have accomplished and feeling good about that. And uh, then just, I'm one of those people that I just, I never stopped moving forward. So I, that's just who I am. So I moved forward and, and good. I'm continuing to move forward. And I, I appreciate um, the connection. I will be reaching out. <laughs> yeah. We'll nope. be reaching we're here to, to help each other. That's what life should be about. We need a lot of that going on right now in the United States and that's coming together to helping each other. You know, I, I wanted to add something and I know that we're kind of going off on your questions. Um, poor Kalia, thank you. Um, I, I wanted to, it, it was really weird. I knew I, we had this call today and I I'm, get up and I watch the news as everyone on my team knows. And I was watching the news and I went over to another station. So I usually watch one station and get the weather and what's going on in Denver. And actually another station was on left from last night watching a movie. And um, I noticed that the people that were on the news on the station, I usually watch in this other station, they were older. You know what I mean? Like they were like probably 65, 70 years old. And I hadn't seen that. So as an example, Nine News is one of the stations I watch. And one of the, the news, the old weatherman's back. You know what I mean? And then Gary Shapiro has been there for years. So I believe that there is more empathy towards older people out there. I'll give you another great example. I was on an elation call for one of our clients. And so we were debriefing elation before we have the client call. And bam, up comes the salesperson. And I swear to God, he was 10 years older than I was. And that guy was wicked smart, started talking about graph databases, how they apply to data governance, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, there you go, see? So um, it's starting to pop up where we're seeing more and more of us older folks out there. I mean, if you come and work with us, Mike Lamp and I, Mike is 64, I'm, I don't I'll tell anyone, and I'm 60, and we get on, and can you imagine one of the young bucks, you know, like Elaine's age and Kaylee's age going, who are these old people that are... <laughs> I know. I do think that, you know, um, people are having more empathy, which is really important. And they're starting to say, hell, I can't even hire people. I better look at this group of folks that has this great experience. You know, they are viable out there. Yeah, it, there's something huge to the level of experience. And I feel like in my own personal life, I seem to have known everything I could have possibly known at age 16. And then as I get older from there, I know less. And I, I, we need to be able to speak with the people that have walked before us and have figured it out. And like you say, okay, you and Mike, you know, with your white hair sitting there, but you've also built and sold companies and you've had experiences that people like Elaine or I haven't had the opportunity to have yet. And for our generation being open to learning from that experience is immensely valuable to us. So when we run into people along the course of our careers that are willing to let somebody like Deborah go for whatever the reason was, even though she comes with this wealth of experience, perhaps that's not the company we want to work for anyway. And I know that's, that's easier to say, you know, sitting on the other side, but I think remaining open or, you know, at least from my generation, remaining open and, and learning from the people that have walked before us. I mean, that's amazing. That's a gift. And if people don't see it like that, then that's just, they're, they're missing out. And also maybe you won't be able to change their opinion anyway. Yeah. And 
Kaylee, I think no. you touched on something that um, is important as well, which is um, being open to, or not open, searching for companies that you know that are more likely to accept you, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, that Fortune or Forbes article, I think it was Forbes, right. what struck me is that he you know, said Silicon Valley and he's not wrong. Like mm-hmm. the startup world, if you're looking to be a software developer post 60, in a company that's less than 10 years old, which most tech companies are, very difficult, frankly, um, because of just their their bad attitude, frankly. They have a bad attitude almost against everybody that's not like themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Live there, knew it. Totally, so looking for companies that are more progressive, more established, larger. Uh, Salesforce is a really good example. It's an enormous company. They, they could not survive just by hiring people under the age of 30. So being a little strategic of, and doing your research on companies as well, and then really working the network to get yourself known by people that are there. Um, and I'm going to find out some of the Slack networking groups that I've been talking about. I'll get those in a list to Kaylea to share um, after with all of this. You know, um, kind of bouncing around a little bit. Sorry about that. But Allison came on. Hi, Allison. Wait for us. In your hair, yes. in your cute glasses. <laughs> Allison um, and T- has a recruiting platform that she developed. So she's a rocker. But if you're looking at Kaylea and me, Elaine and Allison, we are... Um, the power circle girls. So we get together and on a regular basis, Allison's at my house tonight and we help each other. So it's back to that 360 mentoring. You know, if Deborah, you know, if you're feeling uh, down or anyone on this call, you may want to look out at your community and ask for a mentor. Um, and don't, don't ask for a mentor that looks like you, you know, look, look for a mentor that, you know, I'm the older one in the crew. These girls I'm not allowed to write checks anymore. I already got told about me leaving voicemails, but in return, I give them some insights every so often. So, you know, really advocate, um, you know, the whole mentoring thing too, as you get older and, and hearing from, uh, you know, uh, different people like, you know, uh, Alexis is sitting here next to me and she's um, even younger than the girls on the call, uh, the four girls I just mentioned. And she doesn't mind telling me that, you know, maybe you need to do it a little bit differently, you know, because of your old approach maybe doesn't work. And I'm really open to it. So I get mentoring from all directions and I'm quite happy. And I really recommend if you don't have anyone get together once a month and, and you know, if you want to do a circle, do that, but it's good to have someone to, you know, talk to. Um, I wanted I- to quickly, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just, uh, go ahead, Elaine. Well, I was going to change things up just quickly because somebody asked a question. Let's see what Allison has to say. Yeah, exactly. So Allison, you go first. Oh, it might be the same thing, but I was going to segue into the other side, me coming from the recruiting space and the talent space. And, you know, we're we're talking to the candidate side a lot right now, but I think that there's probably some audience here that's on the talent side and dealing with hiring teams, interviewers, hiring managers, people being still wanting to do that old culture fit thing, which is slowly dying and good. Um, but, you know, what, what sort of the advice for those of us who are actually actively recruiting people to either manage up to say, these people have great skills, don't discount them. Um, or how do we help push out the idea of culture fit and start really talking about culture ad, um, the people that are inside the business 
you know, maybe do you have some thoughts or advice on, on what we could be doing on the hiring side? I, I have some thoughts uh, I'll share that age is a dimension of diversity and there's a lot of chatter about hiring for diversity. So if you are a hiring manager or you are inside a company and you are getting pushback, just mention that having someone who has um, been there, done that and has a high level of experience, um, that that is also a dimension of diversity that you don't want people all within five years of age of each other on your team, period, end of discussion. You want people who have actual generation gaps. Um, and I specifically went after this in my last hiring uh, with Charles Schwab. I hired a woman who uh, was older and it was really interesting because I say this all the time, there's a dirty secret to diversity, which is that it creates a bit of dissent. It creates people um, having different perspectives, but you get to better solutions. And um, I'll give an example. She's an older woman who uh, identifies as gay. And I had a younger man on my team who also identifies as gay. And when we had some issues come up in the LGBTQ community, I found it very interesting to get both of their perspectives on how to respond or how the community would respond. So just my perspective um, for anyone that's hiring or looking to be hired, like, and you're in part of those like hiring conversations to just remember that you do not want people who are of all the same generation on a team. It is an ineffective team. It's no different than a, a room full of yes men. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's how I would. I love that. I love that. So, yeah, let, let's let um, Dennis has got a couple questions. I think there's like it's like a, a two part question, just leaving it open for Julie and Elaine and whoever else would like to chime in. So Dennis is asking and he's right. We've talked quite a bit about how this affects women or how, you know, we as women are dealing with things. And he's looking at it from the from the other gender side of things. How is it affecting men? Um, the second part to Dennis's question is looking at maybe what technology that he, you know, what, what technologies could he get beefed up on that would be in the biggest demand or that would, you know, yield the most interest? I addressed the technology. I, we could not get enough cloud engineers, data engineers. If you're going to improve your resume, get your butts out there and get in the training for that. That's um, our immersion program is Google. The other thing is Snowflake out there. If you're data people, which I think most people here are, get that Snowflake, golly, we cannot find Snowflake people. And we just had one of our customers, their lead Snowflake guy leave for a 50% raise, right? So let's just assume the guy was in there doing stuff for 125. So if you can get in any of those cloud platforms, um, do it do it, you will have a job no matter what. That's and then, a really great way to say, to be bulletproof or, or close to bulletproof, right? Yeah. Go ahead, sorry. No, and then the other question I'm, I'm looking. Great. Yep. Um, go ahead, yeah, Jack, you're dipping your toe in the Google world for sure. So, um, Kelia, what was, uh, I'm sorry, I wasn't looking at the chat. That's up yeah, first it was, Kind of looking at it from um, the man's perspective, how is how are we seeing this, you know, kind of translate for men? So I can I can jump in there a little bit. Um, it absolutely impacts men. Um, I when I first got into diversity and inclusion, and like I said, I was the oldest person in these buildings. I realized that it begins for women in tech at about the age of thirty, which is absurdly young, um, and it begins for men about the age of forty. Um, and so which and, and again, because it's something that happens to you, and especially for, for men, especially if you're a white male, 
um, it's very new for you to be so marginalized and to all of a sudden um, just not be seen as relevant or not be heard. And so in addition to it being shocking and upsetting, it probably makes you very angry. And so much like the worthiness for Deborah, um, I would say for men, do not let the anger overwhelm you. Um, and to find an outlet for your anger, whether that's exercise or friendships or whatever it is, um, the same thing for what we've discussed about worthiness, you have to find an outlet. Otherwise, that's all you focus on. Um, and so I don't want to not acknowledge it. It absolutely has happened to you. Uh, if you notice, uh, the most successful CEOs in tech in general are under the age of 50. There's sort of this sweet spot at 45. Um, and then all of a sudden it goes um, away, self-medicating with gin. Um, not before an interview, but otherwise, sure. <laughs> but, but I do want to acknowledge that it happens and that the same rules apply, meaning Julie had really good advice on certifications, um, staying relevant, but being mindful of your responses on social media, because if you have anger, your responses might be clipped. That that headline from the guy, we hire old people. I, while I admire um, his, his honesty, tenacity, yeah. I, I also think just saying old was pejorative. We hire people over the age of 50, he could have said. We hire people with over 20 years experience. All we ages. hire people, all ages, been there, done <laughs> that. You know, if you're over 60, we hire you. But saying old, I thought was even pejorative. So I guess the point is, is just be careful um, in your, in your attitude and responses. And, and at the same time, do all the things we're talking about, use your network, build more relationships. And I think what's really hard is it's like, why do, why the hell do I have to do all this just to be seen, heard and be relevant. Um, and unfortunately that is the reality of ageism, but there are things that are in our control and there are things that are not in our control and ageism in the United States and Western culture is a very real thing. Yep. Any other comments or questions? Okay. I think, I, I believe from the names I'm seeing here, I think a lot of you um, may be in management positions, but I just wanted to reiterate the fact that empathy is the best thing you can do. And, and being able to really open your mind up to all ages that come across your desk. Um, it's, it's important to listen to people, to hear them out and even, you know, maybe give them good positive feedback as you're speaking to them and, and interviewing them. There's a lot of good hidden goodness out there, um, you know, behind the scenes where they've been doing a lot of good work in our field. We find that data people that have been doing, let's say Informatica for years, they can convert, they can go to Google, they can go to cloud really uh, fast and the two people I told you about. So even giving them input uh, along the way, everyone um, is always thankful when we do say, hey, you might want to try this. So um, empathy is big. And then um, Jennifer, happy to connect with anyone to continue the conversation. Yeah, we, I think we'll have these a little bit more often, mm -hmm. maybe once a year, but Jennifer, that's really sweet of you. And connecting is definitely as um, Elaine has said many times is really key to getting out there and, and, and finding that next uh, career move for you. I would, I would also like to add a couple of things. Our, our culture is youth obsessed. Um, there's no doubt about that. And so 
it's, it would be dumb not to acknowledge that certain things do matter in that regard. So social media is one of them. You can't entirely ignore it and stay relevant. Um, at the very least, LinkedIn, Slack, and I would even say Medium articles um, for career-based people uh, are, are important areas to be contributing, to be looking at, to be commenting on, to be resharing. Um, and then if you feel so inclined, you can go to Twitter um, and you can go to, uh, but I will tell you, even I have aged out of certain social media platforms, TikTok, Snapchat. Um, the good news is, is that I, uh, have younger friends or I have younger colleagues that keep me informed of what's going on on those platforms, because there is a lot of noise in the DEI space on those platforms. So it's important for me to know about that content. So I, I want to just say there are certain things that we do have to bend a little bit towards, uh, we can't entirely reject. Um, and I want to think of it like this. There, people can be the same age, 65 and 65. And some people can be on the older side of 65. And some people can be on the younger side of 65. And if you're still really in the job market, you've got to like reach into the younger side of your age. So it also comes out in your headshots, right? Um, making them a little bit more fun, brighter colors, bigger smile, uh, showing your youthfulness in a photograph. And if we were doing a presentation, I would show you like two different ones, but I've seen it be very helpful for um, people. And as Julie mentioned, showing up at Google in a suit, if your headshot is in a suit and you're not in finance, you need to get a new picture. Um, those types of things. So like I said, there's, you, you got to bend a little bit. I'm not saying go get Botox. I'm not saying airbrush, but I am saying, look at what you're, what you're projecting out to the world, your energy, your positivity, your relevance in terms of things that you're commenting on. And I know these are really hard kind of pills to swallow, but it also is meeting the industry where it's at. Um, and I'm trying to think if there were any others that I wanted to, to list out. I think that the, the, the number one thing I just want to share with everyone is that your experience does matter, that you are worthy, uh, that nothing has changed. It, all that has changed is that the world sees you differently. And so um, lead with curiosity, ask these hiring managers what they need. And then rather than saying, well, I did that at IBM 25 years ago, say, oh, what you need is an, a solution that does X, Y, Z. And I've implemented this throughout my career and, and, and really um, give them what they need, not what you've already done is my biggest piece of advice. Nice. Here, here. I, that. I think my, my big takeaway for everybody as we um, get ready to wrap this session is what was touched on when it comes to fortifying your insides so that you can deal with what's happening outside of you. Like what Elaine has mentioned a few different times is that this is something that's happened to you and there's not a whole bunch. I mean, we've given some really, I love that thing, what you just said about your photograph, your headshot. Those are actual tangible things you can do to your resume. You can do to your online um, presence. You can do to your headshot, but at the highest level, the outside world will constantly be throwing curveballs at us. And this is the next one. I'm sure that, you know, back to Deborah's story, as tough as this is what she's going through right now, I know she's gone through other tough times in her life that she's overcome. And the things that, you know, I wish I could later when you look back become thank you for, you know? So I think it's definitely important to work on fortifying that the inside, do that deep work so that you can stand up to the things that are coming from outside. Yep. 
Kalia, you know what I love about this session today? When we're doing our technical sessions, we usually have two or three or four people drop, you know, like over the, no one has dropped. Everyone's head is in the game and the chat is moving and, Mm -hmm. you know, and please take a few minutes to see chat. I know Jennifer gave her LinkedIn. I gave you Alexis's email if you want to talk about the immersion program or looking for a job. Um, So there's a lot of goodness over there and don't hesitate to reach out to us. And Elaine, you're the best. Yeah, thank you, Elaine. And Kalia, as always, you did good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, we love you. And um, thank you, everyone, for joining. Thank you, everybody. Do your homework. Where do you want to go? Yes. Yep. (laughs) Yep. And we'll do a good follow-up with some of these resources. Thank you, everybody. Have a good one.